It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. G'day legends and welcome to the Pop Noodle by Salik Down Under. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight is Shane. How are you doing Shane? Yeah, I'm alright thanks mate. Um, really getting into the festive period. I had a bit of a bit of a hectic weekend. Um, at least one result went my way on uh, on Saturday night when I got to see the uh, the victory uh, put three past Sydney FC. So that was enjoyable. Um, first time in a while we've beaten them in Melbourne. And then uh, back that up with... Um, a decent round of Christmas shopping on Sunday. I think the uh, pedometer had me at just a tick under 20,000 steps by the end of it. So uh, my little legs were pumping and uh, unfortunately they're still recovering. So uh, no acrobatics on the podcast from me tonight. Not that you're expecting any. Two things, Shane. Number one, 20,000 steps for you. That's just 10,000 steps for normal size humans. <laughs> so we'll just, um, we'll just you know, make sure everyone's aware of that. And number two, saying your little legs copped a pumping. Come on now, choose your, your words a little bit better. <laughs> Le- lesson learnt the hard way. Had to, mate, had to. <laughs> Morning, strange love. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for tuning in. Shane's brought the the, the boxing kangaroo back behind him, everyone. Watch it on YouTube. That's uh, we shared a picture of that up on Twitter today. So I had to, or X or whatever they bloody want to call it this week. So, yeah, had to come back. What we're going to do is on today on the Southern Under YouTube channel, there is the Pot Noodle, our usual podcast. We'd normally talk about the game, like who did well, player focus, all that sort of stuff. Not even going to really touch on that. We're going to do the basics on that game. And then we're going to go into the, you know, like the what went wrong and the lineups, like because, you know, we lost the game to Hearts 2-0, as we're all aware of. So we've got a bit of a deep dive into that. Later on the channel, 
the weekend review boys are going to be back going live. Haven't had a live podcast on a Monday for a while, so they'll be on and they'll focus more on the actual ins and outs of the games. It's just, I thought it's been such a, um, a crazy weekend in particular that we need to separate it like that two different ways. So, um, yeah, so we'll focus on probably the more negative stuff and then let the boys behind on the next show make us look even better, <laughs> make the channel look good. There's plenty of things to talk about. So, um, yeah, so all I wanted to touch on, Shane, was we'll, um, I'll just go through the starting lineup for the Hearts game like we always do and the bench and then we a comment from Willie and then we'll just get into the what went wrong for the game. So. We've got Joe Harding goals. You had Johnston, Carter Vickers, Scales, and Taylor at the back. So for me, I thought that was a pretty full-strength full back five. O'Reilly, McGregor, and Turnbull. Seeing Turnbull come into me, seeing that was like, oh, great, here we go again. Because Turnbull and O'Reilly just never seemed to play well together. And then up front, Kyogo, Palmer, and Mikey. So, um, yeah, it was a little bit little bit strange, like, and then on the bench you had O, Bernabe, Maida, Jamesy Forrest, Ralston, Bernardo, Bain, Welsh, and Quan making the bench for the first time, was it? Or was it the first time since September or something like that? Well, which one was it, Shane? It's been a while. I think it might be the first time since September. I just look at that and go, that has got to be the most random thing you could possibly do, just put him on the bench when, you know, you're st- – you're struggling a little bit on that front. Like I know Awada was out hurt. So if we're looking for a number six, we're kind of like a little bit scraping the barrel. But yeah, I just thought that was a bit of a strange one seeing him in. But what was your thought, Shane, when you saw that lineup? Oh, look, um, frustrating from a couple of aspects, really. Um, definitely the inclusion of Turnbull, um, probably the one that, that I looked at straight away. Um he keeps trying to make this, Brendan keeps trying to make this happen. And it's despite evidence pointing to the contrary many times, it's he keeps going back to it, trying to sort of will it to happen. Um, and, and I don't know why. So instantly I picked up on that with a little bit of despair. And then obviously the bench, uh, look, a couple of interesting names there. Obviously Bernabe uh, seems to be making the bench a little bit more than usual. So I noted that he was back on. Also Quan, of course, I think was the big surprise for everybody. Uh, including myself, um, but disappointed once again that there was no Tilio, no room for Tilio. Um, so just looking at those things, you know, I didn't think we'd see a great shift in the starting eleven. Um, I thought the chance to do that was midweek against Feyenoord, so I didn't expect it to happen against Hearts at home. And so it kind of played out everything above from probably Turnbull, um, I think sort of made a little bit of sense to me. But, yeah, that bench... Um, few question marks Quan most certainly leading uh being the top of those questions i guess if if uh, for a lack of better terminology just out of nowhere i think and i'm thinking rko out of nowhere for our wrestling uh our wrestling aficionado situation i was just thinking Quan out of nowhere whenever i when i saw it i was just like a Quan out of nowhere it was just bizarre yeah it's just um bit of a strange one shane like what you're saying there like it seemed like a pretty straightforward lineup what you'd expect you mentioned tilio not getting a go. Yang's not getting a go. It was never going to happen. Maida was back on the bench. You got a barter due back, you know, in the next week or two. By the time they're back, you're not going to see those guys on the bench. Let's be honest. 
That's why I said in our group chat, realistically, I'd love to see Tilio and Yang go out on loan within Scotland, help take some points off, teams take points off the other mob, and, um, yeah, get some games into them. But, yeah, we'll, um, we'll bring up some comments here. So the first thing here is, hey, gone yourself. Hey, Andrew. Morning, Pat. Andrew was saying he was never going to play him in terms of Quan. Yeah, we know, but it's a wasted bench space. If you're not going to play the guy, in my opinion, why put him there? Mm, and agreed. you put someone else in the bench. Like, I don't know if he's fit or not, right? But I'd much rather have home on the bench in that role than Quan. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, Howard, someone that you're going to turn to. Yeah, someone yeah. you're going to turn to if you need to, right? Hell, I'd much rather James McCarthy. He played, what is it, how many minutes in the B team on the weekend? <laughs> played about uh, just a tick under an hour, I think. Um, yeah. And tell me, Here's the hot tip. You want your random bench space uh, on the weekend against Livy? I know who's going to be there. <laughs> yeah, RL, RL77, how much did we pay for Turnbull? I think it was three and 3.25 to start with, and then Adams has pushed it close to $5 million. He doesn't sign a new contract soon. He'll be off pretty much in the in the winter. So I was going to say summer because that's what it is for us. But, yeah, winter. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. He'd want to cash in on him. Pegleg's got a nice comment here, so we'll bring that up a bit later on in the show. Uh, Strange Love is on that lineup, I thought at the time. Yep, good enough to beat Hearts. So did I, mate. That's what my thoughts was. The weakest link in there was, okay, the two question marks were, Mikey Johnson on the right, but then who else are you going to start? Are you going to play Jamesy there? No. So realistically, it's either going to be Mikey or Jamesy because Maeda's not going to start in his first game back. And the other one was in the midfield, the Turnbull and O'Reilly together. Never seems to do. Never seems to do well. So Andrew is saying, is this Turnbull, Burnaby stuff, putting them in the shop window, ready to sell? Yeah, probably hope so. It's got to be. Mm. Mahesh, the moral of the story, Rehart, Celtic trying to go around the block instead of through the middle, and they one attempted a vertical through ball the entire game. You know who we miss in, in that game in particular? We miss Tom Rogic and Aaron Moy, able mm. to get in between the lines and thread that little ball through. That's something that Kyogo was making a few of those runs, and there was just none of that pass coming through the line. So, yeah, I'd have to agree with that as well. Mahesh was abysmal crossing, 40 crosses, only seven on target. Mikey, four crosses, zero accurate. Oh, absolutely. That was so noticeable. And even the um, corners in the second half, we had like six or seven corners. I don't think one of them even led to a chance on goal. So it was just really poor delivery into the box, not to the benefit of who was playing up front or who was actually in the box. There was just a... And there is still a lot of disconnect between our front third. Um, they're just not on the same wavelength. It's, uh, and that was really noticeable on the weekend. Con yourself is saying BR is choosing his old guard, Turnbull, Mikey Johnson, Forrest. Lago wasn't even on the bench after a great game against Feyenoord. Mm. Yeah. That's a we'll really dis- good point. And we're gonna we'll discuss that a bit later on anyway, in a bit more detail. So but yeah, that's a very good point there. Pat Warren, Brendan has taken us backwards, his team selection and tactics too slow. Kyogo is non existent. Yep. Yep. Totally spot on. And Robert Bernabe's haircut sums up the entire time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Robert. And then you've got 
Mahesh Hattade's through ball attempts are a big miss. Even though he does mm. misplace quite a few, you got to, you know, occasionally you got to take the risks to get the reward. That's the thing, isn't it? He bites it off, and that's what we're missing. We're missing that player to bite it off and actually try and make it happen. You know, we look like a team that is just waiting for it to open up, waiting for that opportunity, patiently waiting, patiently waiting for them to make a mistake or misstep or come out of position. And that's what we're missing. And a comment applies to Moy and Rogic. We're missing that player to actually to be the one to try and make it happen, to play that ball. It might not come off, but you're trying to make something happen. You're going to give them some extra thinking or something extra to think about saying, well, we just can't sit deep. Maybe we've got to be prepared for that ball. Maybe we've got to be more switched on. We're not doing that at all. We look so tame. Tame's probably a really good way to describe it, just so flat. Andrew Galea's comment here sums up what you're saying, Shane. The lineup doesn't matter. We have no systems in attack. It's freestyle football. It's that mm. last bit. It's freestyle football. It's an absolute shambles, and that's where I want to get onto the net. And following from that, from the game, like what went wrong in, t- in overall layman's terms, as we, sped, we said it probably two or three weeks ago on the pod, and uh, we went early and copped a bit of backlash on Twitter and all that stuff, but I'll happily cop it because everyone's slowly coming over to the dark side of the Celtic Down Under pod <laughs> viewpoint where it's, you know, we, we, if you're going to cheer the guys on, give them a pat on the back when they do well, you got to be willing to give them a kick and then, yeah, we've been um, just the style of play we've got at the moment is just absolute rubbish, and that's what's going wrong. Like I don't know what the stats were. I can bring them up in a minute, or Mahesh can chuck them in the comments for us if you if you're quicker than me there, mate. But the passing stats on the weekend, we would have had hell of a lot more of the ball. We would have had more possession, more passes, more crosses, probably more corners. But their corners that they took, dead on accuracy, especially for their first goal. That was a good old-fashioned basketball screen. That to get Alan Shankle in the yeah. space, the defender run and runs the attack. The sorry, the attacker, the other one runs out Taylor into scales, so he can't get past him. So he's held up and it makes a space for him. It was like having grown up playing basketball. I'll say, well, that was very well done. If you were playing, if you're on that court, it was well done. But yeah, it's where's the communication from our players? I just think at the end of the day, what's gone wrong recently is there's a lack of accountability at the club. From the board into the into the management into the playing group, and like you said on the weekend, you're starting to see players pointing the finger at each other rather than being like that one in particular. Their first goal on the weekend, Taylor ran in, got in Scales' way, so he couldn't get to him. Scales had the position to take two steps forward and clear the ball, and what happens? Taylor gets in the way, and anytime he makes a mistake, Taylor's always looking, pointing. Oh, what happened there? Like he's looking to blame someone else. I've noticed that's starting to creep into his game more and more and more over the last month. So, yeah, I just think what's gone wrong recently is just the lack of accountability. And I'm sure we'll dive into that a bit later on and it might get a little bit feral later on. But um, Andrew here is saying this, can you imagine Ange going psycho with all this sideways and backwards passing? That's the other part of it. Gone yourself is saying the more horseshoe passing, slow, boring rubbish, we're playing so slow. Kyogo needs balls played across a six-yard box on the byline. We have zero wingers who do that regularly. We're missing a barter. Mm. We're missing Jota in particular. You look at that and you go, yeah, fair point. But, yeah, Shane, what do you think's going wrong? 
Well, I think a lot of it stems from just the way, as you've already touched on, the way we are playing. And if you want to break it down a bit further, we're too slow and it's very noticeable. And the weekend really highlighted it. When we started, we were too slow. We we weren't moving the ball. We weren't shifting it quickly enough. The movement ahead of the ball was really static. There, it was just a real flatness to our our. Uh, when we were in possession with the ball and what we were trying to do with it, which allowed them and is allowing other teams to set up relatively comfortably. You take it back last season and the season before, we're constantly moving the ball. It's one touch. It's get rid of it. It's push it forward. Teams really have to, who are defending against us, have to really set up and be prepared to move. They can't just sit in banks of four and be comfortable. And teams look comfortable against us at the moment because we're not probing enough. We're not making, you know, Kyogo's making those runs, but no one's trying to find him with those passes, as you said earlier. But And then when we're getting on the ball, we're just knocking it around, waiting, waiting, waiting patiently. We're too patient. We're far too passive. And Brendan said that in his press conference. He said there was, we were too passive. He questioned the passion, which is a very interesting statement to make, and desire. He made those two comments about saying no desire, no passion in that in that particularly that first half performance. And I think, I I think he's right. Second, Shane? Yeah, yeah, if go he's for gonna, it. If he's going to say that to the playing group and throw them under the bus the same way we used to laugh at Slippy G doing it over at Sevco all the time, if he's going to do that and say there's no passion, there's no desire, whatever, then look in the mirror first. Well, that's what I had underlined because we're talking about them coming out and playing that way from the first whistle. Now, I think as a manager, you have to take a fair bit of responsibility for that. If your team's coming out and they're not firing on all cylinders, you're literally the last person they see ready before they go out on the pitch. And so if they're coming out and they're flat, I don't think that reflects well for the change room and the build-up towards uh, in the, the or in preparation for that game. And so he needs to take responsibility for that. So it was an interesting choice of words and one's one that I don't think was missed by a lot of people. But, you know getting a bit further away from that and it's sort of what we touched on before there's a real lack of cohesion with the team at the moment and we were talking about the front third players not being on the same wavelength with Mikey getting the ball you know Kyogo's not making the run to the front post but he he tries to cross the ball to the front post he tries to get to the byline cut it back no one's there you know in specifics Bernabe had a great chance second half made a great run Great ball across the box. No one's in. No one's anticipating it. No one's there to nod it in, and that's all it needed. And that was the one that Calmac gesticulated quite wildly at, basically pointing to those in in the box, saying, "Why are you not? Why are you not breaking your neck to get on the end of that ball?" Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. There's just seems to be a real disconnect between the players at the moment. They're, they're, that, that fluidness isn't there. There's a real kind of, I'm not sure where I need to be. I'm not sure where I need to run. I'm not sure what run to make. And we're just missing those creative players, but also like Anne Aaron Moy, those thinking players, those players whose game they read so much quicker than everybody else. And they know what should be coming next. And we're just, we're missing that. And it, it's really noticeable. And and to top it all off, our, our crossing and set piece delivery is terrible. We're just, we we can't seem to find anybody with them. We're not a threat from them. Um, and, and as you touched on, we're, this lack of cohesion and inability to, to sort of play well as a team is starting to show. The cracks are starting to appear a little bit. Matt's getting frustrated. Um, he was visibly annoyed at a couple of different players against Hearts for, for just things like not taking a touch or, or trying to play it back when they shouldn't have been. Yeah, it's it's really frustrating. But I think I think what's going wrong is just the way we're actually executing and what we're actually doing, which is we're just way too sluggish. And that has been probably the fault in all of our poor games this year. You look at every poor performance we've had, whether it be a full 90 minutes or just a half, and what's the one thing that's really noticeable? We're really slow. We're sluggish. We're we're poor with moving the ball. We're poor shifting the ball. We're poor with moving ahead of the ball. And it's so noticeable. And we had that for almost 90 minutes on the weekend. Um, I think that's pretty much where we've got to look at first. So why are we starting so poorly? Why are we coming out of the blocks um, so tame? Where is that team that used to get on the ball and push and make things happen? Where is that drive? I think once we answer those questions, we're going to be a lot better place going forward. Well, I'll bring up a couple of the comments here which tie into what we were just discussing as well, and then we'll crack on a little bit further. But Mahesh has brought the stat up. So 650 passes, 360 of those were in the final third. So much passing, very little creativity. That ties into what we're saying. And that's more than half your passes are in the final third of the team. Mm. Yet we can't even break down the block. And then as Robert's saying here, I've watched the game back again. I wish I hadn't. It was like over 60s walkie football. And then Andrew's followed up with, we used to train to break down the low block. You could see the patterns of play. God knows what we practice now. Recycling the football, passing side to side. Gone yourself is Brendan Rogers knows he should have adapted Ange's pressing methods with a touch of his style, but he's too proud to do that, thinking fans will say he's copying Ange. Now, the problem we were saying about O'Reilly is looking frustrated. Well, I agree with you, Shane, but at the same time, he's the only one who seems to have gone really gone forward this season under under Rogers, where Rogers is talking about putting the arm around the guys and being more approachable and O'Reilly's liking that. If you were to come out there and just not be switched on in the first five minutes of a game under Ange, you were hopping a spray. Mm. We've both seen it up close over here at Victory for Australia and then at Celtic. So where, where I said earlier about chiming in where with Rogers, it's got to be, he's got to look in the mirror. That's what it is. Like I know if I'm doing a shit job at work, I expect my boss to give me a kick up the ass. So, you, like, if my boss was to come in, I'd do a shit job, and I'd be like, oh, don't worry, Jared, you'll be fine, blah, 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 we'll get there. It's not going to happen. That's actually demotivating to me. 
most players to get to a high level in sport and everything, you need to be pretty much like right up there and have that fiery sort of personality. You can't be soft as butter. So anyway, we'll, we have a couple other comments here. All right, so some players getting caught in the crossfire between Rogers and the recruitment board. Aroli's getting more touches than Kyogo in the box, but that is compromising Aroli's passing and distribution. Yep. On yourself is saying Kyogo being ruled by BR, 30-yard goal of the year. I'm sorry, a 30-goal-a-year player not getting the service from the slower-playing pass-back rubbish. Yep. Robert Gibson, I pissed myself laughing, Shane, when you were talking before. I don't know if you saw that because this kind no. of comes from Robert. You would get more penetration at an incurable impotent seminar, blue pills and all. <laughs> Jesus. If Liam was here, he would be on the floor rolling, basically. <laughs> that is pretty good. Yep. That's true as well, but it's good. There you go. Strange off all the touchy-feely stuff is no substitute for a plan and a manager who backs you up if you execute to what he wants. Exactly. And that was where Ange was good. Like, if he gave you the game plan, you went out there and you tried to do it and you'd stuff up, he'd get in the press conference and how many times did he shoot down the media and not oh. throw players under the bus? And that's what I want him to do. Absolutely. And now we're seeing our players getting thrown under the bus? No. Hey. And we talked about this a few weeks ago when Brendan came out after that game against St. Johnston and made those really pointed comments about Lager, Bilk, Narosky, and Tilio. And, and I just remember at the time, and I commented on it a few weeks ago, going that really was just, you don't want to hear that. You don't want a manager to throw players under the bus. What happens behind closed doors and what you say to them and how you critique them, that's behind closed doors. But to come out and do it publicly... It it never washes well, in my opinion. Um, and, you know, when you're sort of seeing the comments that Rogers makes on the weekend after that performance, again, you're kind of saying the team's playing with no passion. That's a really, it's a bold statement to make. You're either wanting to really elicit a response from them. That, that, like, that can go one of two ways, really. Like, that's, I, I didn't like it. I think you keep that, you talk about the basics. And if you're going to make criticisms like that behind closed doors, not not to the public, not to try and save your own face and to basically throw them under the bus, you, you win as a team and you lose as a team and it extends to the manager as well, right? And that's what Ange always did. Something bad would happen, he'd deflect it, he'd point the media in another direction, that was it. What was going on behind closed doors? We didn't know, but we didn't need to know because that was between him and his players and he protected them. I'd like to see Rogers not make these kind of statements. Yep. I have to agree with you, Shane. And for me, growing up, like, as I said, I played basketball, coach basketball at state league level sort of thing. And I'm going to take what you said, the winners a team, loses a team sort of thing. I see it slightly different. When I was when I was a player, yeah, that's how I thought. When I was a coach, the way I saw it was, if you win, it's the players. If you lose, it's the coach. Because as, yeah. as a coach, it doesn't matter what sport it is, it's my responsibility to get the players out on the field, on the pitch, whatever sport you're playing, on the court, whatever, and performing to the best of their ability. And if they're not, and if they're, my instructions aren't working and they're not, and it's making them play bad or they're out of form because of what I'm teaching them to do or showing them to do, then that's on me. So if you win as a team, it's the players. If you lose, it's the, it's the coach. That's the way I view it. Yeah. That doesn't no, I like that a lot throwing, better. It doesn't mean I'm throwing Rogers completely under by saying he's hopeless, get rid of him right now. 
But I'm going to use this as a perfect segue into the next topic that I wanted to talk about. Is it just me? Because I've seen a couple other people in a couple of group chats I'm in talking about they're starting to see parallels between this season and the 10 in a row COVID season in terms of comments of the manager. You know, you've got Rogers there talking about, you know, heart and, you know, wanting to play hard and all this sort of stuff, right? And then back then you had Neil Lennon talking about, oh, you've got to get the culture right. You've got to do this, blah, blah, blah. So you've got them talking about players in the media instead of keeping it behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. On top of that, both the managers were in their second stint at the club. Both of them had some shit recruitment in the offseason. Both of them had lots of players massively out of form. And to top it all off, this was sent through by Willie in our group chat. Neil Lennon's infamous 2021 team had 43 points after 18 league games. We have 42 and 18 at the moment. So it's so many parallels. It's like we're in the, um, you know, sliding doors sort of moments or whatever or whatever. So I'm seeing that in group chats and all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, I'm starting to think like, okay, this does kind of have that vibe about it. What do you think, Shane? Oh, I think what you're saying is it's pretty much exactly the same bar the crowd restrictions, right? You know, and the, and the mask wearing and stuff, really. Like, no, seriously, I had to think about this today and you've rattled off all the, the parallels I came up with as well. And, you know, if you even not to harp on the issue of the throwing players under the bus, but if you remember that press conference after the Ferenc Farris loss, you know, Neil was asked that question about are there players here that don't want to be here? And he just point blankedly said they should leave. They need to leave. And it was such a really blunt thing to say, you know, and there was no kind of sugarcoating it or trying to protect people. Um, And I'm starting to see some similarities in the way that those kind of media commitments are handled as well. Um, No doubt. No doubt there's a lot of parallels, including a lot of players. uh, Obviously, you mentioned the the signings that have have not performed, but also a lot of players who seem to go backwards and uh, let alone, you know, maintain their existing level. But... (sighs) You could argue that the circumstances at that time, although it was very frustrating and one that we'll always see as a very frustrating season, circumstances at that time, you can look at it in a little bit of a different light compared to now. I think if you're comparing them and seeing the parallels, it looks much more unfavorably now on Rogers than it does for Lenny during that 2021 season because of the lack of those circumstances right now. I was just thinking while you were talking, Shane, I'm going to go even deeper here. Okay, here's a funny thing for you. Let's just go outfield players. Left back then, we had Taylor. And who was challenging him for his left back position? <laughs> Colin Golly. Who's challenging him now? Bernabe. Both are better going forward than actually defending. In the back line then, Shane Duffy on loan. Nat Phillips on loan. Yep. Alongside a dominant half of ours, Carter Vickers now, Chris Iyer then. Then you look at the right side, Alistair Johnson out of form. Who was our right back that season? Laxalt, who was pretty much after two games, was out of form the whole season. And then you just push further forward and you can just rinse and repeat the way I just did there, just across the back line. It's bloody spooky when you just go through it like that. Yeah. No, uh, there are a lot of parallels, and particularly on individual levels. Um, I remember... Uh, Bolingoli and uh, the furor when he was a little bit too forward, let's put it that way, when he decided to get on a plane. And um, boy, did that go down well. 
he can't help it. He's horny. Like, give, him, give the guy a chance, good job. <laughs> and COVID didn't, COVID didn't stop those viewings. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so just off that, like, you touched on it already about I'm gonna I'm gonna switch up the order. Actually, we'll talk about the fan unrest right on the weekend because that ties into what you just mentioned as well. About we're talking about no fans at the game in the COVID season, and that's the next talking point off this. So I'm gonna roll them together. I look at it now and what we're seeing on the weekend: the fans booing the players off the pitch. Was that the right thing to do, Shane? Uh Okay, I'm going to answer this in two parts or two ways, okay? On a personal level, I don't like it, and I've never done it. I can't bring myself to do it. I I, I don't like it personally. I don't think it achieves anything. That's my opinion, and it's why I'll never do it. I don't I, I'm not I don't think I'm ridiculous. I don't I'm not someone who claps teams off if they've played poorly or anything like that. I don't like doing that. I'll just sit silently and look. I don't like to boo my teams off. I don't think I've ever done it. I don't think I ever will. But I understand why people do it, okay? So I think the other thing is I'm definitely not telling people on what to do or what not to do because that's just how I personally feel. But I understand it. We have standards. We're a proud, famous club, and we have standards that we want to uphold to. And we've got fans that travel, and not even just all through Scotland, but throughout the British Isles, possibly even further. A lot of them travelling across from Ireland uh, on the day of a game to come and watch the game. That's not an easy journey. And you're paying good coin to do that. And if you go and do that and push yourself to that limit and go and see that and, and the halftime whistle blows and you've been treated to that first half after making every effort to come across, I think you're in your rights to express your frustration uh, by booing. So, yeah, I don't like it, but I understand why people do it. For me, I look at it in a similar vein to Shane. Like, I don't like doing it. I have booed my a team off before, but the only time I'll do it is I don't think halftime's the right time to do it. You imagine going off, you played like shit, you already know you're playing bad, you're expecting someone to have a crack at you in the locker room, whatever, to then be booed and have your fans turning on you coming out in the second half. I don't really see how that's very motivational to, you know, get everyone on board and get you all lifted up and all amped up like, yeah, I'll show them. Like if you went back to the 90s and Martin, not the 90s, sorry, early 2000s, Martin O'Neill side, you had a bunch of guys there who were a bit – not only were they good footballers, but they had a bit of that bastard about them where they get in there and they didn't mind like kicking someone or putting a bit of, you know, have that bit of attitude and swagger. You had a guy in the midfield like Lenny. If you booed him coming off at half time, he'd be like, oh yeah, just you watch. And he'd go out there and his game would go up a notch. Same with John Hartson, same with Sutton, same with Mialbi and so on and so on. There's so many players in the team. So realistically, you could do it then. Nowadays, do you really think someone like Odin Home coming off at half time, getting booed, or Bernardo coming off at half time, getting booed, are going to be like, oh yeah, I'll I'll prove a point to them. I just think the the generation. I'm not going to say that's softer now, but it's just 
it's a different generation. So for me, I don't think booing at halftime is the way to go. End of the game, go nuts. Like if you lost the game 2-0 at home, you haven't lost to that team in the league in seven, eight years at home or whatever it is. No, no, it's longer than that. It's 14 years. Or was it in the league? Sorry, no, it's in the league. It was 17 years, so 2007. Home, okay, and total in the league was like seven years or something like that, I think, when Rogers first stint. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you're actually talking about losing them to to them irrespective of home or away. Yeah, and then home was like ages ago. Yep. I look at it and go, yeah, cut sick, boom, at the end of the game, that's fine. The thing that I did love to see, though, was some fans getting evicted for turning around and having a crack at the board in the uh, director's box. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sorry, everyone listening in headphones. Those people are my heroes. The main stand is pretty much the 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 safety cushion for the board. It has been for years. The Lisbon Lions fans, that's stands. They're the guys who are normally jumping on Bill and going, ah, giving it to the board, banners, the works. The guys in the main stand, it's very rare to see that level of ang- anger and firing up happening in that area. So it was great to see. In my opinion, like they needed to see it, and that's what and that's where it ties into the ten in a row season, Shane. Where I was saying early on, where how lucky were the board that there was no fans there in the ten in a row season? Like we were laughing about on the pod, and that was one of the only things we could laugh about. And you're looking at this here with the fan reaction on the weekend, people giving it to them. Maybe that's what they need to see. Well, I, when you were when you were. Um... Uh, starting that comment, um, I thought I thought point blank you were going to talk about them booing Santa at halftime when you started that comment. I thought that's where you were going. You know, there was something I like to see, and I was like, oh, he's going to talk about them booing Santa. Um, <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I wish I had have said it because I completely – I actually did have like, a note early on, but I completely spaced out. Oh, well. Oh dear! Look, I just want to uh, look. I think so. I think, um, I think it's always valuable for people who are in those positions to actually get the tea uh, tea leaves read to them by the supporters who are, you know, those who make up the club. Really, like the supporters are what make the club. Football without the fans is nothing, and supporters need to have a voice, and the board need to hear that voice. And this was an opportunity where people said, you know what, I need to vent my frustration. They need to know how I'm feeling. And and I agree. Um, I, I didn't mind it at all. And I think, you know, I think during that, that COVID season, 
there was a lot of heat on the board, and I think a lot of it was around uh, particularly the manner in which Lenny was reappointed. Um, let's not forget that and all the all the kind of discussion around that, and that really sort of came home to roost in the end, unfortunately. Um, I feel like there was still a lot more heat on Lenny himself than, than necessarily the board. I don't think it was ever even. I feel like this time it's a lot different. I feel this time around there is much more heat on the board than the managers or any individual players. It's starting to even out a little bit, but definitely for a while now there's been a lot of frustration at the board and a lot of discontent growing, particularly around this season's lack of transfers in that seems to have been a real sort of um, catalyst for a lot of this, a lot of things that are underlying. I'm not saying this is new. I think this has been there for a while, but I think that's kind of been the tinderbox a little bit to, to light things. But I just want to really pick up on or add to something you said before about the players being booed and having those players like Lenny, John Hartson, and Chris Sutton, um, you know, um, who would actually go in, even Alan Thompson, if you want to extend it that far, who would actually get booed and go, I'm going to show you. And I would, I'd kind of raise to you that we didn't, and I agree with Andrew's comment, they were they were first-class players. They were EPL-class players. I'd raise to you that they wouldn't need to be booed to turn their performances around. They would be the ones in the change rooms driving that. They'd be the ones, and this gets back to your discussion before about accountability, they'd be the ones making themselves and others accountable. Imagine coming off at halftime being bossed like we were against Hearts on the weekend and Lenny comes into the change room. I wouldn't want to be facing him if I've been out there just waddling and misplacing passes. So I think that's also ties in. Like if you boo them, sure, I think you get a reaction, but I don't think you'd even need to get to that extent because they drive the reaction themselves. And that's, that's definitely something that we is very, is in a big contrast to what we're seeing today. Can you imagine a Yang or a Mikey Johnson on the wing hiding from coming to get the ball because they're going to get kicked in Mm. that Mark O'Neill team? You imagine having guys like Lenny there and Hart's in there and Thompson there and, you know, those guys there just half-time coming and pull your socks up, adjust your skirt, your, your big sook, whatever. You wouldn't you wouldn't have to boo them. They'd suddenly lift mm-hmm. their game. So, anyway, I'm going to bring up some comments about um, <laughs> the fan stuff here because there's some absolute comedic gold in there. So, Robert Gibson has a... Rumour has it Peter Law wasn't at the game. He was having his asshole diamond encrusted. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, RL77, it's a heated asshole. <laughs> um, here we go. Santa is invoking his release clause. <laughs> hey, he would have got a different reaction if he'd pulled a left back out of his sack. Actually, oh, I should have I should have thought that sentence through a bit more. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you play left back. That's the real question. Yeah, suit up, Santa. Can you track back? Yeah, who knows? Can he track back? I don't know. Maybe only with Rudolph there. Yeah, exactly. Well, he, 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 you got paced up and down the flank. You put Rudolph in, right? Pretty much. I don't know. This is, going bad, this is going to bad territory. I'm going to stop. Where's Liam? Where's Liam? <laughs> it's like setting it up and just waiting for someone to hit the ball. And there's no one there. Andrew's saying, Andrew going ballistic watching this football. Roger stands there wondering what to do. 100%. So I'm going to bring up this comment because this actually ties into the next thing. The next thing I wanted to know was with all the talk we've had so far on this pod, chain. How deep does the axe fall at Celtic this season? Is the results and the way it all sitting, is it on Rodgers? 
Is it on the players? Is it on the board? Is it on everyone? Like I said, to get accountability. Pegleg's asking, do you guys think Rogers will turn this around? I'm not convinced by that mob. They'll drop points. Um, to answer your question um, that you led with, I think it's a shared responsibility. I don't think it's ever just one party and solely one party. But I think there's probably two parties out of the ones that you mentioned that stand up a bit higher than the others. So as much as the players' performances have been poor, I really sort of put them on the lower end of the scale of the responsibility because a lot of the times they're the players playing for the club, whether they've been brought into the club, irrespective of people who think they should be here or not, they're here and they're trying, they're playing, and they're going out there with the instructions they've been given, right? So I tend to put them on the lower end of the scale of responsibility. I think the board definitely takes a lot of responsibility. Um, I think this year in particular, we were excited about the opportunity that we had a chance to really progress and uh, do something significant in Europe, but that required the board to actually help invest in, um, to make that dream happen. And, you know, I think it's fair to say that didn't really happen, right? And then... You know, the annual annual report comes around and, you know, everyone's gone through the figures. Steve and the Tuesday guys did a wonderful pod on it and went into great detail, which was fascinating. But, you know, you hear that and go, well, hang on a second. We're in a really good position here where we probably should be doing better and maximising what we have and actually using it to our advantage, but we didn't. Um, but then at the same time, I think Rod just has to take some responsibility and in particular that level of responsibility over the past couple of weeks of results has risen for me because irrespective of what you think about our European approach and the fact that that we haven't really invested in making a dent in Europe, and we haven't, let's be honest, we still have enough quality there to be dominating at domestic level. And we have enough quality in that team that we put out on the weekend to be beating hearts, in my opinion, relatively comfortably. And we didn't. And we've had a couple of poor performances throughout the season and it just seems to be becoming more and more noticeable. And, you know, it's not really the board that's trying to shoehorn Turnbull into midfield with O'Reilly every time. At least I don't think it is. It's not the board that's making these random decisions on match day to bring people in like Quan and sit them on the bench if they've got no choice to play. It's not the board refusing to sort of make changes. Well, maybe it is a little bit if they're not making funds available, but it's not the board making or neglecting to make changes at left back where we've been crying out for something different for a while now. So I think on that basis, a lot of the match day performances, um, to me, fall under Brendan's responsibility and therefore he has to carry the can a fair bit as well. So I think it's relatively evenly shared. I think we could have done better at the board level in terms of funds being made available. And there's other things outside of just the playing squad that I think also contribute to that. But at the same time, we've got what it takes to be doing better in the league, in my opinion, and we're not. And uh, that's that falls on, on Brendan and the management team. My take on this is a hell of a lot quicker than yours, Shane. (laughs) It's real simple. Players aren't playing good enough. The board's not doing well enough. Manager's not doing well enough. Everyone's out of form. As I said, no accountability. Everyone's finger pointing. At the end of the day, where does the buck stop? What's it going to be easier to change? Your manager or all your players or your board? your manager you're not, really you're not gonna, yeah you're not going to be able to change your board because it's a plc it's publicly you know listed company the guys on the board own have shares in the club so it's not as simple as voting them out getting rid of them you can't do it they pretty much own have the shares in the club their skins in the game they've been there for 
forever. It's frustrating. So you're not going to be able to make the changes there. The squad that we've got, yes, we brought in a few players here and there. We did get weaker, Jota out. We didn't quite replace like for like. Moy moved on, all that, right? But this is still a treble-winning squad that was that would get out there and in Champions League would go toe-to-toe with Real Madrid for 60 minutes and look like, okay, if we keep on this path next year in the Champions League, this is where we all got that hope, next year in the Champions League, if we keep playing and we're a little bit more pragmatic away from home but we still have a go, we might improve in Europe. So the board's going to look at it and go, oh, you got more points this year than you got last year, so you have improved in Europe. So looking at it that way, the players, as I was saying, there's enough talent there to win the league. There's it's a treble-winning squad, and they're all out of form. So where does it all come down to? The man in the middle, the guy who is, is hired to inspire the players and train them up and get their fitness to where it should be and make the players all understand their roles. Do our players understand their roles out on the pitch? doesn't look like it. They don't even know what they're doing half the time to me. So to me, the buck stops with the manager. And as I said earlier, you win it. Like when I was talking about coaching and that, you win as a the you win the game. It's on the players. You lose the game. It's on the manager. Our last week, we've had two losses in the league and we've won in the Champions League. But the game, the Champions League, we won. We won in in stoppage time. So realistically, we're a little bit all over the joint, and the buck stops with with Rogers. Now. I was never massive on him coming back, so it doesn't mean I I want him sacked. I like the next question is: Is a manager safe at present? For me, I don't want him sacked yet. Mm. I would love for him to turn it around in the next couple of games, win them all, get a bit of a cushion up, and then off we go. We do what Ange did in his first season, where we were struggling into the into the winter break, got some recruits in, and off we went and just launched into the second half of the season. I would love to see that happen. Do I think it's going to happen? No. And just to tie into that before I come to you, Shane, this Andrew has said win for a total rebuild, say goodbye to the Japanese players for a start. And you've got RL77. I've just realised the board don't want to give Lawwell's unqualified son money to spend. Maybe that's it. Because when you look at Rogers' time last time, he didn't really spend very well. And then Mark Lowell's hit hit miss is pretty shit. I've got it on my phone. I'll go through that in a little bit. And Pegleg was like, our recruitment stinks. Nepotism leading to poor decisions. Nine project players. We need four first team quality. Where's the logic? I don't know. How do you, Shane? What are your thoughts? I think um, I have hope, put it that way. I have hope that he can turn it around. He's not, he's not, getting sacked anytime soon. I think he's relatively safe. It would have to be an extremely poor run from here on in for him to to lose his position. So I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Maybe the safety that he's got behind him means that he feels like he can make some of the statements he does or, or so forth. I don't know. But um, I hope he can turn it around. And I think he has what he needs there to turn it around. But I keep, I keep looking at every poor match and going, well, that's going to be the turning point. You know, and then that's going to be the turning point. It'll get better from here. They would have realized now. They'll understand. And then that's going to be the turning point. Now, this was our second loss in 
in the league in a row for the first time in 10 years. So when we're talking about parallels with the 2021 season, as bad as that was, and and boy, that was tough, we never lost two league games in a row. This is the first time we've done this since 2013. That's a long time. That's that's a pretty sombering statistic. And you just keep going, well, at what point does it turn? What point do people, when does this cohesion come back? Maybe they need to go to the winter break. Maybe they need to just scrape through and get to that break. Sometimes a break can be as good as change. Sometimes having a bit of that time away. I know it sounds crazy considering we're performing poorly and it's a natural instinct to go, well, they just need to get back on the track. They need to get back out on the pitch and play better. But if it's not working and it's consistently not working, sometimes you just need to step back for a bit. Get Just take a breather. And maybe that's where the winter break will be helpful. So last year, as you were saying, we were sort of heading towards the winter break. We were a little bit shaky. We were still getting the results. Um, who can forget Ross County away, of course. We are still getting the results, right, and pushing, even though things maybe weren't at the level we saw before. And we came back from after the break, very different, right? We went to another gear and all of a sudden we just we shot ahead. Couldn't be caught. Maybe we need that break this time. Maybe we need that break to just pause everything and try and, and Brendan and his team can work it out. So I, I would say I have hope. And if I if you ask me on which way I think it's going to go, I think he will turn it around. But I just wonder what the catalyst is going to be because I think we've gone through a number of games now where I thought they were going to be the catalyst and they haven't proven to be. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So on that, Shane, I'm going to... um. I'm going to throw a bit of a, a random thought at you. We get into that, that's, that winter break. We look to strengthen the team and bring in those four first-team players Rogers keeps talking about, right, without even talking about players leaving. I mentioned Ange's first win, uh, winter break when he came in. You look at the, the four players that we signed in that winter break, three of them are still first-team regulars now, and they came straight into that team in Maeda, Atate O'Reilly. The only one who was a miss was Itaguchi. And he's just, what, one player of the year in Japan? Mm. Was up for it. So there's a player there. So realistically, you look at it and go, we got to that point. We'd done our identification. We got our players in early in the window, and off we went. I don't see that forward planning. No. All the talk is we've got this left back coming in from somewhere in Spain. We've got Chris Garden coming in from Bronby as another striker. Great. But where's our number six? Our big body number six. Where's our left 
oh, we've got to get that left back coming in. But is he any good as a defender? All the footage I've seen is he's more of a um, a wing back. Do we play with wing backs? No. So if we're bringing no. him in, are we going to go to a you know a three five two and play Johnson as a wing back? That might spark him in the life and bring this other bloke in, maybe. Otherwise, why do you bring bring in a proper left back? So, mm. yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a doozy, really. So, yeah, it's um. And I had to hear, like, as well, Shane, like, where does the roller coaster from last week's result leave the team and the squad looking ahead to the upcoming matches? So we'll have a think on that. I Just because I said I would, I'll quickly go through Mark Lowell's signing since he's come in because I, we did talk about, about that before. And with that comment would that was there before about um, would you – like they're not wanting to, you know, give the board's not wanting to give him money. 16 players is what's signed. So since Mark Lowell arrived in July 2022 as head of first team scouting and recruitment, this is his record for the players he's brought in. Jens, Haksabanovic, Abelgard, Kabayashi, Alistair Johnson, Awada, O, Home, Tilio, Yang, Kwon, Lagerbelka, Palmer, Naroski, Phillips, Bernardo. Wow. How many of them are regular starters every week? One by my count. That would have been Palmer. I'd say one, Alistair Johnson, because who we got Oh, jeez, yeah. <laughs> okay, two. I'd go two. So Alistair Johnston and um, Louis Palmer or Louis Palmer or Chicken Palmer as we call him in Australia. I'm not even sure if Palmer would be. If we had a full-strength squad... I think it would be a barter on the right and it would be Maeda on the left. See, I, I don't and, think so because of the fact that Rogers likes his wingers to cut in. So that's why I'm saying Palmer because he likes his wingers yeah. to cut inside as opposed to hitting the byline. And I don't, and I, that's why he, I feel like he favours Maeda on the right. Yeah. So I'm going to defend myself a little bit here because I don't do it enough and, <laughs> and say that I'm still sticking with Palmer. But yeah, that hit rate's awful. Yeah. So realistically, what is it? Twenty-two plus, sorry, sixteen players. Two of them. So there was extra players that were added to that list, like Moy. But everyone knows Moy was an Ange signing; had nothing to do with him. So you take, you don't even put that in the list. So that's pretty much summing up like where we're at. Yeah. So I doubt that we're going to have those players available, ready to go to be signing on January one, like we did in Ange's first season. So, yeah. yeah. History would suggest otherwise. Um, I don't know. We're going to have to pull the rabbit out of the hat. Well, he's going to have to pull a, ra- a rabbit out of the hat at this stage. We'll have a Peter Lowell special. It will be we'll get a couple of players in and then we'll wait to the last dying embers of the uh, the transfer window and then we'll suddenly pull out a couple of like loans for a few positions. Oh, just no. No, that you're giving me like John Joe Kenny flashbacks and stuff like that now, mate. And that's Emo Weyer. Uh, Oli Burks, <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow, that's Jeremy right. Tol- Jeremy Tolian. Oh, no, this is this is painful now. This is this was meant to be cathartic. Now it's not. I've given you the fear, haven't I? <laughs> yeah, no, you have now. I'm I'm dreading the winter break now and the the transfer window opening up. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> So I just had to ruin it for you, Shane. So it's not just me thinking <laughs> like that. 
So basically, I want to ask you, Shane, how do you think the festive season fixtures are going to shape our season coming going forward? So to go through it, we've got, what's that, a Saturday game this weekend. So it's 2 a.m. Sunday, our time, us against Livy. Yep. And then on the t- our Boxing Day game over there, so what's that, 2 a.m. on the 27th for us, we're playing Dundee. Yep. And then the main event would be on Saturday, the 30th of December. We're playing that lot. We're playing a bunch of zombies. What's that? 12.30 kickoff in Scotland, 11.30 p.m. time. here. Yep. I'm thinking that one could potentially be a, uh, you know, off to the uh, Melbourne number one CSC to watch that, the turf bar potentially. I was thinking the same thing. And then off the back of that, we've got um, a game on the 2nd of Jan against St. Mirren. So realistically, we've got those four games. How many points are we going to take out of them? <sighs> How many would you do you think we'll take? How much do you hope we should be getting? Oh, well, current form? On current form, on current form, Geez, on current form, I reckon eight's generous. Ooh, which games are you thinking then, Shane? Well, we've got the low block specialists against Livy. I, I feel I feel like I've added this up wrong, so I'm going to go very carefully here, otherwise my maths is going to look bad. I, I, I'm thinking the low block specialists, considering just how poor form we've been in and we struggle against them. So I'd say we're taking a point against Livy, even though it's at home. I think we beat Dundee. And that puts us up to four. On current form, uh, Rangers, um, I'd probably give us a point, so five. And then a win against St. Mirren gets us up to eight. Fair enough. Yeah, for me, I'm looking at it going, the Livy game this weekend is a must win. We've got to bounce back after the last week. Have a full week off the train, no midweek game. Rangers have got a midweek game. It's one of their two catch-up games. So, realistically, I'm thinking we've got a win against the Livy game. We've Then the next game after that, again, have to win that. The St. Mirren game, have to win that. But none of those games matter in the grand scheme of things to me if we don't do the business at home against the Huns. That's the easiest thing. Like, we have to beat them. We have to beat. We have to beat Rangers every game we play in this season to guarantee that we are going to finish above them. That's the way I look at it. Jeez, it feels bad. To... Sorry, mate. You go. No, I was going to say is, as I said earlier in the pod, I don't want Rogers to get the sack. I want him to like, you know, use a launching point and get in and get the things and get get players in and off we go. But if we if we come out of this only picking up six points or eight points like you're saying, Shane, he's not going to see the back of the um, – Rogers won't see the back of the winter break. Or will he so, because our board won't sack people. They didn't sack London after all. I mean, they've got two games in hand as well. And then I think that's really important when we're sort of talking about what we're going to take from these upcoming fixtures as well. Um, I 
I agree with you to an extent, but I'd almost I'd almost portion that kind of whole it's all pointless if we don't win. I'd actually probably shift I, I get what you're saying, but I'd almost shift that to the Livy game. They're bottom of the table, right? Well and truly. I've I've just got the stats up in front of me now. Probably didn't word it right, Shane. Let's be honest. We've got to win all these other games, is what I meant. Yeah. But if we were to win, but what I meant was like if we won the other three but didn't beat Rangers, then it doesn't matter. That's the what that's what I meant. Does that make sense? So if we get nine out of the twelve points but lose to lose the derby, then in my opinion, that's it's a waste of a four game period that we could win, pick up twelve points. Well, let me let me rephrase what I was trying to say then, because I think that, that's important as well. Um we're talking about, well, I was talking about catalysts before, catalysts for changing seasons. The Livy game is almost that catalyst right now because we shouldn't be losing to them at home. We really shouldn't. They're bottom of the table. They're five points off Motherwell, right? They've been poor. One, two games, drawn five. We shouldn't be losing to them. In our current form, just because we've been so poor and the fact that they can actually put on a low block very effectively, which we're struggling against, that's why I'm saying we'll take a point, but we shouldn't be. We should be taking all three. And I think only taking a point or, God forbid, actually dropping points to them, alarm bells would be sounding. And so, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying, and, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, the catalyst for me is this game against Livy. Not taking three points, even though it's ironic, isn't it? I've said that I don't think we'll take one, but not taking three points is just it's it's going to be pretty poor in the run-up to those other fixtures. Okay. So in other words, Shane, what you're saying is we're going to take it one week at a time, one game at a time. <laughs> I I just, there's just something about this fixture that, that just I'm looking at going, God, dropping points here would be terrible. And I don't, I just, there's something about the tone it would set or, or maybe continue. I think, um, you know, we're we're at the we're at that point where we don't think it can get any worse. Dropping points to them would push us well and truly over that cliff. Sad state of affairs that we're talking up how important a game against you know in the league at home against uh, Livingston is. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree, and that's just because of what's happened preceding it. Yep. So I think we'll uh, we'll start to wrap the pot up there. Final thought, Shane. You kind of ruined my one. I was going to talk about Santa getting booed, but it's actually going to be my final thought. <laughs> I'm looking at my note now going, that's what it said. So I don't know. I'll have to come up with something. So I'll give you your final thought. Um, I'm sure I'm probably going to steal this one again, another one from you as well. But I just um, I just wanted to give everybody a, a shout out and say Merry Christmas, everybody. Um you know, to you and all your loved ones. Um, obviously, of course, thanks for tuning into the pod and, you know, on a personal level, putting up with my ramblings and particularly those who uh, put up with me saying uh, I'm going to have a quick final thought and it turns out to be something that's about three minutes long. So shout out. I didn't forget that comment last week. That's why I didn't say it this time. But no, Merry Christmas to everybody. Um, I hope you and your families and all who tuned in have a wonderful, happy, healthy and safe Christmas um, and celebrate it with all your loved ones. Shane goes and does that. So I'll just go, Merry Christmas. Was Liam's one? Merry Christmas. Huck the funds. There it is. <laughs> Have a good one, everyone. <laughs> Cheers. We'll see you next week. How, how? How, how?
Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.